The Washington Post conducted a social survey a few years ago. They invited Joshua Bell, who's one of the nation's greatest violinists, to show up at one of the metro stations there in the Washington, D.C. area and to perform. And for 43 minutes, Joshua Bell, this nationally renowned violinist, is playing the finest classical pieces on the violin. He is going at it. I mean, it is, it is a show, man. It's awesome. And uh, this guy actually plays a violin that was built, it was handcrafted in 1713 by Antonio Stradivari. It's like, you know, one of the most exquisite violins that you could ever play, you know. And I'm not much of a musician, but my friends tell me that when you have an old violin, it's got like this special sound to it. Anyway, so Joshua Bell is playing. He's this, this guy that makes tens of thousands of dollars per performance, packing out concert halls. And over 1,100 people are coming and going and passing this, this renowned artist but only seven people paused to listen. Can you believe that? I mean, you have a virtuoso right in front of you, and everybody's going and going and going, and so only seven people actually stopped to listen to the music, and at the end of the performance, he had made $32.17. I heard that story this week, and I thought about us in the middle of the Christmas season. Sometimes we are so busy Moving from responsibility, opportunity, obligation to obligation to obligation that we stop, that we forget to stop and listen to the music. We forget to really savor the moment and to enjoy the season of, of Christmas. I hope this year that you will pause and you will think about the greatness of the Son of God. That you will not just be in the hustle and bustle of going through your daily routine but that this, this special season would be a time that you would draw close to God and that God would draw close to you. Over the next few weeks, we're looking at a series called All About Jesus. We're looking at several of the names of Jesus. You know, Jesus is so multifaceted. He, he has tons, and I don't even know how many names in the Bible refer to Jesus. Jesus has tons and tons of names. We're going to look at four specific names from the book of Revelation. And uh, today I want you to open your Bibles to the first chapter of the book of Revelation. We're talking about Jesus is our Alpha and Omega. And maybe you know uh, Greek letters, maybe you don't know Greek letters. You might know the Greek letters if you were in a fraternity or a sorority. Um, you might know Greek letters if you took mathematics or, you know, engineering or, or science. You may be familiar with some of those, but Jesus is going to revert, refer to himself as the Alpha and the Omega. And the Alpha is the very first letter of the Greek language, and the New Testament was written in the language of Greek because that was the common language that was spoken during the time of Christ. And Jesus says, I am the Alpha, I'm the beginning, I'm the A, and I'm the Omega. The Omega is, is like what we would call the letter Z. Jesus is saying, I'm the beginning, I'm the end. And it's really interesting because in the first chapter of Revelation, Jesus says this, and he makes a similar statement in the last chapter of the book of Revelation in chapter 22. So let me read these for us. Revelation 1.8, I am the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord God, 
the one who is and was and who is to come, the Almighty. And then in Revelation 22:13, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And Jesus is using a literary device that was, that was used in ancient times where you take two contrasting ideas, Alpha and Omega, and you put them together to signify the whole. So Jesus is saying, I'm the entire alphabet. I'm everything. I'm the beginning. I'm the end. Whatever you need in your life, I have it covered. Now help me out. Is there any letters in the, in the English alphabet that come before A? No. Is there any letters that come after the letter Z? Jesus is our A to Z. Jesus is our Alpha. He's our Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He is everything that is in between. He's in between. And I want to give you four things today that I think that this specific phrase, Alpha and Omega, refers to in our own spiritual life. And the first is that Jesus reveals spiritual truth. See, Jesus is our Alpha and Omega because he is our spiritual authority. Uh, we use the term Alpha to refer to somebody who's in charge. Like sometimes we have that phrase, Alpha male. You guys know alpha male, a very strong male that's, you know, large and in charge. Um, and coyotes and wolves have alpha males and alpha females that kind of boss the pack around. And uh, Jesus, by stating that he is the alpha, is, is signifying that he is supreme. Jesus is saying, you know what, I'm not like everybody else. Jesus is not like every other religious leader in the history of the world. Jesus is absolutely different. Jesus is the Alpha. So, so Jesus is not the same as Muhammad or Buddha or Confucius or whoever there may be. Jesus is the Alpha. He is supreme. He is over all because no one did what Jesus did. Nobody died and rose from the grave. And, and by the way, Jesus is preeminent because he was there at the moment of creation. Now see, a lot of times we think Christmas is all about Jesus coming to earth. And that's true. Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary in the manger. But let me remind you that Jesus always was. See, Jesus didn't just show up in the manger 2,000 years ago. Jesus has always been here. We celebrate Christmas because that is the incarnation of God. That is God coming to earth. That's why Christmas is special. But Jesus is even greater than his birth. Jesus has always been. Now look with me in John chapter 1 verses 1 through 3 because for some of you, your heads may be exploding. Let, 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 me, let me take you to the word here. In the beginning was the word. And who's the word in, in the book of John? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was with God in the beginning. And all things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. So Jesus was there at the very, very beginning. All things were created through Him. He's the Word. 
And that's why Jesus is supreme. He's our spiritual authority. He, he created us. He, he was there at the day that, 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 that God spoke the world into existence. Um, Jesus always existed and he will always exist. And in Colossians chapter 1, the Apostle Paul echoes these same sentiments. In verse 16, he says, For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, Alpha, and by him all things hold together. I mean, Jesus is holding the world together. Now, we have a crazy world. I'm telling you, it takes a supernatural Savior to hold this world together. But Jesus is capable. And in him and through him, all things hold together. And uh, Jesus said in John 14, 9, the one who's seen me has seen the Father. So sometimes people say, well, you know, maybe I would believe in God if I could see God. We know what? When we want to see God, we look at his Son. We look at the incarnation. We look at Jesus. When we see Jesus, we see a reflection of the Father. So if we want to know more about God, we, we look at the Son. We look at Jesus. And Jesus told his disciples, hey, the one who's seen me has seen the Father. I mean, you know, we're one and the same. So here, look, look I'm over here. You, you have everything that you need to know right here. Jesus said uh, a little bit uh, in an in a, a earlier verse, John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is our spiritual truth. He is the Savior of the world. He is the, the Son of God who came and, and he died on a cross and he, he rose from the grave on the third day because he, because he loved you. And he revealed the Father's love uh, for us in his death and resurrection. Jesus is also the Alpha and Omega. He's our A to Z because, secondly, he knows everything. I mean, there is nothing that is beyond the knowledge of God. Did you know that you don't have one problem today that God doesn't have the answer to? You don't have one issue that you're facing that God's like, you know what, I don't know what to tell her. I mean, you know, good luck. I mean, he, he knows it all. In John 16, 30, the disciples had been spending some time with Jesus, and this was their takeaway. Now, we know that you know everything and don't need anyone to question you. By this, we believe that you came from God. They're like, Jesus, we've been asking you all these hard questions. We've been thinking that you were going to, you know, maybe be confused or uh, maybe... You know, outside your, your realm of perspective, and, and, and yet, Jesus, you know everything. You know it all, Jesus. We got no questions that you don't have the answers to. And if Jesus knows everything, maybe we should spend a little bit more time asking him for his help. Amen? I mean, I, I hope that you have some prayer time during the day that you just, just even a few minutes where you get down on your knees and you, you talk to God and you ask Jesus for some help because we all need some help. Listen, if you think you don't need help, then you're not thinking very critically about your life. You need some help. And I got some great news for you during this season. Jesus knows everything. Jesus knows your hurts. Jesus knows your hurdles. Jesus knows your past. 
Jesus knows your future. Jesus knows your struggle. Jesus knows it all. That's why he's such a wonderful Savior. That's why he is our Alpha and our Omega. Because there is no topic or no subject that is outside of his knowledge. See, a lot of people think about Jesus as a historical figure. A lot of people don't have a problem. Yeah, Jesus was a, was a historical person. He was born, he lived. Yeah, I mean, all, all the, you know, the New Testament talks about him and the Christian movement. Yeah, Jesus was a historical figure. A lot of times we don't have a problem with that. Um, other people uh, think that when Jesus speaks on religious matters, okay. You know, when Jesus talks about religion, that's good. That's good. But you know what? Jesus is Lord of all. I mean, when Jesus speaks about any topic, it is the truth. It's, it's the revealed truth of God. So we ought to be asking for God's wisdom in our relationships, in our finances, in our word, in our attitudes, in our bedrooms, in all spheres of life. Jesus has the knowledge. We should want his spoken word to be the reality and the truth and and at least our goal and aspiration in all arenas of life, not just when it comes to being spiritual or just when it comes to church or whatever it may be. And that's why so many people lack the abundant life. Because Jesus, for many people, is their beta or their gamma, and he's not their alpha. For some people, Jesus is their A to G, but that's it. I'll look to Jesus for these, for instruction in these areas, but don't you dare tell me what to do over here, Jesus. Jesus says, no, I'm Lord of all. Alpha, Omega, A to Z. I, I have knowledge, I have insight, I have wisdom, I have precepts and principles for you over all areas of your life. And listen, when we get in our life in sync with the will and purposes of God, with the word of God, that's when we begin to live an abundant life. And that's when we begin to live the spirit-filled life, the life of power, the life that's the life of joy, the life of purpose. It all comes by following what, what Christ has called us to do. So we make decisions not based on what our friends think or what our next-door neighbor says or what the media says. We should have one source that we look to on every subject and topic and that is the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the start. He's the finish. And God has answers to every question. He really does. Um, I wanted to contrast a little bit Alpha and Omega living with, with what I'm calling beta living. You know, Jesus is, Jesus is B. Jesus is my beta. When we live... Uh, by having a sub, a sub view of Jesus, when Jesus is our beta, we say things like, well, if it's going to get done, it's because I worked hard. When we see Jesus as our Alpha Omega, we have a different perspective. We say God opens doors that people cannot. Do you see the difference? Big difference. Beta living says, I get even with people. Alpha Omega living says, well, you know what? I forgive people who wrong me. Big difference. Beta living says, 
I live by my feelings. Alpha Omega Living says I follow God's word even when I'm not feeling it. Big difference. Beta Living says I should hurry and get a divorce. Alpha Omega Living says I should stay in my marriage and do whatever I can to redeem it. And being married is difficult, but I'm not going to give up easily. Beta Living, save yourself by being good. Work a little harder. Alpha Omega Living, I can only be redeemed by the beautiful grace of God. <laughs> Beta Living, I can't give. Alpha Omega Living, I trust God when I give because God takes care of my needs. Do you see the difference? Man, we, we, we want God to speak over all areas of our life. Man, Jesus is the wisdom of God. He's the wisdom of God. He knows everything. And we want him to share that knowledge with us. Jesus also provides uh, what I need. I mean, when Jesus says, I'm the Alpha, Omega, Alpha and Omega, Jesus is talking about his provision as well. You have emotional needs. You have spiritual needs. You have financial needs. You have relational needs. You have all kinds of needs. And Jesus is aware of all of those. Look, look at Philippians chapter 4, 18 and 19. But I have received everything in full, and I have an abundance. I am fully supplied, having received from Epaphroditus what you provided, a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do you see that last verse of that beautiful? My God will supply all of your needs. Jesus is our Alpha and Omega. He's going to provide for every need that you have. Every need. And you know, finances and provision is, is, is a struggle for every single person. If you have money, you worry because you're trying to hang on to your money. If you don't have money, you worry about money because you're trying to get money. And so finances and wealth is a, is a concern universally. Just almost all of us at some time feel, am I going to have enough? I, I think about that sometimes. Am I going to have enough? Am I going to have enough? And Paul reminds us, my God will supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in heaven. And listen, this weight or this anxiety is the root cause of a lot of problems. A lot of people are depressed today because they're worried about not having enough. A lot of people are discouraged. A lot of marriages are under strain because, because everybody's asking, are we going to make it? Are we going to get there? Are we going to do it? This series, we're going to be talking more about this. But, but Jesus is our Alpha and Omega. Now, one of the things I love about God is that God is a creative problem solver. God doesn't have just one way that he supplies needs. This is why I love God so much. I never know what God is going to do. If God provided for you the same way every time, would you trust him? No, you would just kind of throw it on autopilot. 
But God does different things at different seasons and different times of our life. So sometimes God supplies our needs through a new job. Sometimes God supplies through a bonus or through a raise or an extra opportunity. Sometimes it's through gifts. Sometimes it's through the wisdom to manage what we have better. Um, but God is a creative problem solver. If you look at uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, it's the story of Elijah. Elijah is the prophet of God. He's living in a famine, in a drought. Okay, there's no food. It hasn't rained. People are panicking. And what does he do? And he's an outlaw because the evil king's trying to kill him. So he's got two strikes against him. There's no food in the land, and the king's trying to hunt him down. And God provides for Elijah at a brook, and God sends ravens to bring him meat and bread. I call them biblical burgers. Is that awesome or what? And morning and evening, this is before DoorDash, okay? This is before Uber Eats. The ravens bring Elijah the food, and then he drinks out of the ravine. Now, that is clever. Is that awesome or what? I mean, let me tell you today, if God can send Elijah biblical burgers, God can take care of you. He can do it. But my favorite part about this, this story, I think, is a little later because it says in the scripture that the brook dries up. So now Elijah's like, okay, God, you've been providing for me with the ravens and I've been drinking from the brook, but now there's no brook. God, did you abandon me? God, did you leave me? God, do, do you care about me? God, do you love me? Guess what? God was just doing something else. And right after that, God directs him to a widow, an unlikely person, and he asked the widow for some food. And the widow says, well, I've only got a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. I'm about to die. Me and my son. Now, that's one of the saddest verses in the Old Testament. <laughs> but Elijah knew he had a word from God. So it sounds like he's being kind of stingy and selfish. But God was up to something great. Guess what? The flour and the oil multiplied after it was used every time. And the woman and her son and Elijah made it through the drought. But you put it all together and you see that it was one problem, but God provided in two different ways. There was one season, I'm going to send the ravens. There's another season, I'm going to send a widow. Do you see it? So you may feel like your brook has dried up, but that's just the beginning of God opening a new chapter over your life. God is going to take care of you. God is going to bless you. He may do it this way one year and that way another year and this way another time. But Jesus is our Alpha and our Omega and that's why we trust him. God's always doing something new. You never know what he's going to do. And it says there he's going to take care of our needs. You know, not our wants. I realize we all have a lot of wants. You know, we were working on our Christmas list with our family this week. We were writing down everything that we want. Well, you know, God never promises everything that we want, but he does promise what we need. Amen? So there may be some seasons in your life where 
where, where, where you drive the big car and, and, and things are going great. There may be some seasons where you ride the bus, man. You may be driving a, you know, a Hyundai. You may be driving a Chevy Spark, a Kia, you know. But God's going to meet your need. And you're going to be all right. Don't you worry about that. You can look good in a Chevy Spark. No problem. Yeah. There may be some seasons where you're eating sandwiches and ramen noodles. There may be some seasons where you're eating steaks over at Elway's. Amen. God's going to take care of your needs. Sometimes he takes care of our needs instantly. Sometimes it's, it's slowly. But God's going to take care of your needs. So listen, don't you worry. You be reminded Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus has more solutions. He's got more, more options. He, he has more creative ideas than anybody in the universe. By the way, he created the world. So I would say Jesus is pretty creative. So you just trust in him and ask him to help you and give you some wisdom, and you're going to be okay. Finally, Jesus finishes everything that he starts. Okay, Jesus is a finisher. He's the Alpha and Omega. Listen, man, Jesus didn't start your life and then abandon you. Jesus didn't bring you to this point to drop you off the ledge. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, I am sure of this, that he who started a good work in you will carry it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Man, Jesus is going to help you finish your marriage. Jesus is going to help you finish your job. Jesus is going to help you finish your spiritual life. And over in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, uh, Jesus is called the author and perfecter of our faith. L looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's the Alpha and Omega. Do you see it? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Signifying the finish. When Jesus sits down, that represents his finished work. Jesus finished your salvation. Jesus didn't just start your salvation and say, well, it's up to you guys to finish it off. Jesus finished our salvation. Jesus finishes everything that he begins. So don't you worry. I love Hebrews chapter 11. It's the preceding chapter right before Hebrews chapter 12 where Jesus is called the author and perfecter of our faith. And in Hebrews chapter 11, it's like the, the roll call of faith. It's like all of the all of the faith heroes of the Old Testament. And I was thinking about that this week, and, and I was reading some of the names. I did a series on this a few years ago, and we, had, we, we did a whole summer on Hebrews 11. We had a blast doing that. But I was thinking about it this week, and I was like, how did some of those guys actually get in the list? Have you ever read Hebrews 11? There's a guy named Moses. Moses was a murderer. Moses was a felon. At the age of 80, he had an experience with God when he saw the burning bush that revolutionized his life. And, and yes, he became the great heroic leader of Israel that liberated the people from Egyptian captivity. But man, read the history of Moses. And then there's Jacob. How did Jacob get in the list? Jacob had 12 kids with four different women. Jacob is the schemer. 
Nobody could manipulate circumstances better than Jacob. He tricked his brother. He tricked his dad. He tricked his father-in-law. Every time you, took, you look around, Jacob is tricking. He's tricking everybody. This guy is like a con artist. He's a schemer. But one night he wrestled with the angel of the Lord and his heart was transformed and God made him the father of a great nation. David was an adulterer and a murderer. He, how did he make the list? He repents and turns his heart back to God in Psalm chapter 51 and he's known as the man after God's own heart. Rahab was a prostitute. Now how in the world does she get on the list? I guess it was the same way that Moses and Jacob got on the list too. She was a prostitute. But she met the grace of God and she recognized that it was never too late to change. And the Lord God became her God. Samson, the womanizer, the Don Juan of the book of Judges, he made the list. And yet he graduated to the hall of faith. God returned his strength to him right before he died. Wow. Everyone has a testimony. You have a testimony. Your life has a story. There's a story to your life. You, you got a story. Just like Moses and Jacob and Rahab. David, Samson, all the rest of them. You have a story. You have a story. Don't give up. Don't quit. Because you got the Alpha and Omega who's right there beside you. He's walking with you. He's encouraging you. He's blessing you. He brought you here today, today to find some encouragement and some hope. The Barcelona Summer Olympics, a British runner in the 400 meters named Derek Redmond was picked to win. He was an amazing athlete. He, he had all kinds of British records. He, he had excelled in the World Games a couple of years before. Everybody thought, this is the gold medalist. In his final race, he was leading the pack halfway through when he tore his hamstring. In the video, you can just see him, you know, holding his leg in excruciating pain. He actually falls to the track, falls over. And the guy that was supposed to win, now he's fallen down. He, he tries to get back up, but he can't do it because it's too much pain. About that time, somebody from the top of the bleachers began to make their way down to the track. His name was Jim Redman. He was Derek's father. They led him onto the track. He went over to his son, put his arm around him, and together they finished the last leg of the race. Technically, he was considered disqualified because somebody helped him. But he reached the finish line. And I love that story because it reminds us that though we may have fallen down, though we may have sinned, Jesus died for us so we could finish the race. He's the one who will leave the stands to pick us up and to carry us that last leg of the way to help us finish the great race. That's why we have to keep our eyes on the Alpha 
and the omega. That's why Jesus is our A to Z. Would you pray with me for a minute? Let's just bow our hearts and our heads for just a moment as we have a, uh, a second with God while nobody's moving around and we just bow our heads for just a moment. I'll, I want to pray for you today. If you have some significant needs this morning that you need God to, to intervene in, maybe you need some wisdom, maybe you need some, some health or some strength or some finances, you have a need and you need the Alpha Omega to speak to your heart today. Would you just raise your hand today? I want to pray for you. Yeah, all over this room. Yeah, thank you, all over. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord God, you see, you see our hands raised. We're reminded of our, of our great need for you today. Lord, would you teach us? Would you show us? Would you reveal to us what it means to walk with the Alpha and Omega? Lord, we pray today that you would meet every need from the beginning to the end. Lord, would you finish your work in our life? What you've started, would you continue it today, Lord? Thank you for what you're going to do. And while our heads are bowed for just a moment longer, others of us today may not have ever met this, this great Savior, the Alpha and Omega. And I want to give you an opportunity to ask Christ to come into your life. Would you do it today? It's the greatest decision that a person will ever make is to begin their spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. Wow. And in the stillness of this room, as we move towards the season of Christmas, the greatest decision you can ever make is to give your life to Christ. Would you do it today? I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. And in this prayer, you'll be saying, hey, I need God to come into my heart. I need Jesus to forgive my sins and make me a new person. Would you just raise your hand this morning if you'd like to ask Christ to come into your life? Thank you. I see you in the front row. Somebody else today, just hold your hand up high. Thank you in the back. I see you over here on the side. Thank you. Thank you. And if you just raised your hand, pray with me this prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins and make me a brand new person. As I'm putting my faith in Jesus and what he did at the cross and resurrection. Now, thank you for coming into my life and making me new. We pray this in your powerful and wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's Amen. celebrate today what God is doing.